a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. The reason is because you don't have the sacraments. See? Yeah. I mean, once you don't have the sacraments, then basically everybody's a pastor. Because that's what a pastor is, a guy that's there to preach the gospel and minister the sacraments. Once the sacraments cease to mean anything in your theological construct, then ministry becomes something different than the giving out of God's gift of forgiveness. The reason why we go to church is not to hear about how we have to go out and, and be missionalists. The reason we go to church is to get the forgiveness of our sins. That's why Jesus instituted the church. And I think that's the point. See, when a pastor considers this option of, hmm, maybe I'll substitute these parts of the liturgy. Maybe. The, maybe. the question before him should not be, will it win more people over? The question before them should be, would this deliver Christ in a better way than it already does? And the parts of the liturgy are direct quotes from Holy Scripture. And I don't think that you can improve upon the delivery of Christ uh, from them. I mean, just imagine the next radical that shall be even more radical. This will be the book that I'm going to write. Even more uh, radical. What part of cutting off your hand is unclear in the Bible? <laughs> if you still have two hands, you show yourself to be a false disciple of Jesus. <laughs> because it beats cleaning the bathroom, this is Table Talk Radio. Actually, I'm not sure if that's true. I think... I don't know either. I question might, your judgment. Might prefer cleaning the bathroom to listening to Table Talk Radio. What if you clean the bathroom while listening to Table Talk Radio? Try to pick an appropriate activity to <laughs> pursue while listening to our podcast. So a couple of the fitting. options could be, you know, cleaning the bathroom, uh, picking up after the dog... Uh, <laughs> Replacing a tire for <laughs> sleeping. Probably the most appropriate activity to choose while listening to Table Talk Radio. Just go ahead and take a nap. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know how that, that one other radio show that people listen to would say, like, you know, lawnmower listeners listen to this? Um, we, we'd have, like, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> people cleaning up after their dogs listen to this. <laughs> This is or, or like this. <laughs> this could be lawnmower listeners just without headphones, you know. <laughs> turn it up so I can't hear anymore. Could you turn yeah. up the TV? I still can hear yeah. Table Talk Radio in the background. Jackhammer operators listen to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, you got Table Talk Radio, like it or not. Hey, you know what appropriate activity I'm doing while listening to, or while uh, hosting the show here? Tuning me or out. Hosting, I should say. No, no, I am actually, uh, I'm updating the Worldwide Wolfmuller, the humbly named blog. Visited I didn't at even know that you ever updated co. that. Yeah, I know, I'm all about it nowadays. I've got, you know how I go in these streaks, probably you never noticed. But I'm on a big blog streak now, so you can visit wolfmuller.co. Look, I sprung for the domain name, I just couldn't afford the M. Someone, someone asked me recently if you're ADD. What's the answer to that question? What was Say the question? that again. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, why don't you give us today's lineup? Uh, so first we're going to play uh, buzzwords. Then we're going to play name that estate or which estate is that destroying or Ten Commandments in the Estates of the News or something. Some game like that. It'll be awesome. Totally awesome. And then we're going to play bumper stickers, church signs. We're going to clean out the email. I uh, clean out the voicemail. Nice. That's it. That's all we're going to do. Then we're going to stop. <laughs> then, That'll be the best part. And then you'll get a Everyone week off. Look forward to that. Hey, stay tuned to the end. 
when we stop talking. <laughs> you know how podcasts do that? Stay, stay tuned to the end. You've got a special offer. That should be a, something special happens at the end of the show. Yeah, wait to find Silence. out. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> it ends. It's yeah, over. Good. Okay, uh, theological yeah. buzzwords. What's your buzzword, Pastor Wolf Miller? My buzzword for you is the three estates. <laughs> so why don't you go first? Because my buzzword just might bleed into the first game that we're playing. Just might. All right. So. My theological buzzword for you is uh, Latin. It is ex nihilo. This oh. means out of nothing, and this is the way our Lord creates. See, uh, Pastor Wolfman, many people don't know this, but uh, you're actually a rather creative guy. You uh, have hey. some experience in making jewelry, is that right? Hey, and watches yeah, and stuff? Yep. Yeah, I did And uh, you have uh, some carpentry expertise. How, how are the bookshelves in your garage? They're finished. Going? They're uh, finished. Nice, nice. So um, when, when Pastor Wolfinger makes something, he takes something that already exists and just kind of reorganizes it into something. So, you know, these metals already existed, and then he makes it into a, a pectoral cross or something like that, and he says, look what I created. Uh, and then he takes wood and, and nails them together, or screws them together, and has bookshelves. And, hey, look what I created. But when God creates, he doesn't have to start with things that already exist. He creates out of nothing. <laughs> so nothing exists. He speaks, and then something exists. Like in Genesis chapter 1, uh, God... Uh, said, let there be light, and bam, there was light. And so that is creation ex nihilo, out of nothing. That's not the Big Bang, that's the Big Bam. 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 That's like the, uh, what's the guy's chef that, uh, bam. You know Gordon Ramsay's? No, 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 no. no it's, uh, uh, oh, I know that guy. We, Kicking it up a notch? We, that can't, guy? we can't quote Gordon Ramsay on this program. It's it's not for the listener's ears. <laughs> I'm looking for the, I'm reading, uh, I'm scanning the last Luther sermon that I read. You can find all the Lutheran sermons at wolfmuller.co. You haven't and lost attention on that yet? You're still doing mm-hmm. that? Yeah, still. I'm doing it during the show. That's the, one of the best ways to keep my attention on something is do it while I'm recording the show. Perfect. Uh, but in this Luther sermon, he, t- he, he uses that. Um, it's really quite great. Uh, he's talking about how the Lord will provide for us even just a little bit or even with nothing. And he uses the ex nihilo, talking about how Jesus fed the 4,000, uh, to describe how we shouldn't worry about food, for example. Uh, I can't find it. Okay, my buzzword for you is the three estates, which are the family, the church, and the state. Now, I do not know. I wish I knew. Maybe if a listener knows, they can tell me. And then, after they tell me, I will know. But right now, I do not know the source of the idea of the three estates. I think it is ancient in formulation that the that this world is divided up into these three realms, uh, the family, church, and state. But this understanding of the three estates is integral. Is that the, how to say that word? Integral. 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 It's important. It's centrally <laughs> important. In understanding My theological Luther, buzzword for you. <laughs> that's right. I'll never get it. Uh, Luther, when he talks, he talks about the estates all the time. The estates, family, church, and state. Now, a lot of times we look at and say one of the genius of Lutheran theology is the doctrine of the two kingdoms. That's the two realms of power. But the two kingdoms, I think it's, it, it's helpful, but it's even more helpful to think of the estates, the, God's ordering of the world. And um, and to put them in order. So the church has certain vocations, the state has certain vocations, the family has certain vocations, and especially the family is the primary estate of the ordering of humanity. 
needs to always be protected and provided for by the state, especially. So, um, uh, so the, it was a, it was a thing in the Reformation. The three estates got confused. So there were in the in the Reformation there were those who what those who rule, those who pray, those who fight. So those are kind of the three estates. You had the soldiering, and you had the monkery, and you had the um, and you had the rulers. Uh, Luther looks at that and he says, "No, you have the estates wrong. We have to start with family, and uh, especially the having of children. That's the primary estate in God's ordering of the world." So the Reformation, in large part, was a reordering of our understanding of the estates. So when Luther uh, criticizes, for example, the monasteries, where you separate people from family and you take the the vow of poverty and chastity and obedience. You're removing yourself from the, you know, economics and especially the, from the life of the family, and that that's a dangerous sort of thing. So, um, so the three estates is your buzz phrase. Nice. Okay. Now we're going to hit an email before we play this game. Uh, nope. We're just going to go right into the game. Yeah, right into the game. Okay. Well, I mean, we without have, even blinking. We have about a minute and a half here to get started. We should read an email. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I want to talk about, so to set this game up a little bit, I would like to think about how, um, in fact, we'll just start playing the game. How? Uh, so I want to ask you this question. Luther writes this great essay, The War Against the Turk, and he's talking about how the Christians and Christendom should think about uh, the Muslims that were approaching then and about to you know, take over Europe. And when Luther brings a criticism to Islam, he says that Islam destroys the estates. First, the primary state of the church, and then the estate of the state, and then the estate of even of the family and marriage. And I want you to guess how uh, Islam does that, how Islam uh, 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 confuses the estates. And I'll give you points if you match up with Luther. How about that? Okay. Um, I think that the uh, jihadist destroys the estate of the church by blowing it up and destroys... <laughs> The state of the family by blowing it up, and that of the state by blowing it up. Um, so you're just going to go the blow it up yeah. route. Well, it's not particularly subtle. It's not. I guess neither is jihad. It's I was going to say, uh, it is fascinating to me. I'm going to I'm going to um, procrastinate on answering this until after the break, so I can actually think about it. But it is fascinating that these little uh, attacks by the the Muslims are becoming more and more frequent, at least I think they are. I mean, I think in the last week alone, we've had like three attacks, uh, world speaking worldwide, at least the ones that have made uh, the news. So um, this is becoming a more common thing, this kind of uh, fight for jihad. But uh, what you want me to do is to figure out how Islam attacks these three estates, the family, the church, and the state, Yes. I'm going to try and figure that out during the break, and then I'm going to come back. Are there points in line? Do I, do I even get any oh, yeah. points out of this? Yeah, I'm going to okay. give you tons of points. Okay. Hey, so, if you do this right, you not only will have points, but you'll also have a fatwa. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, after this break, we're going to see how many Table Talk Radio points I get. We'll be right back. Start living dangerously. There you go. a good idea. Have a point. <laughs> 
It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. This is Table Talk Radio. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. It's kind of like when you're looking at a dam and there's water breaking through the cracks. It looks like the dam is just ready to to give way and send all the water gushing forth. That is what this bestowal of Table Talk Radio Points is going to be like right now. (laughs) I got the picture in my mind. Very vivid. Because you have uh, placed this little game upon me uh, about uh, naming how the... How Islam attacks the three estates. Okay, so the yes. three estates is the family, the yep. church, and the state. Yep. Okay? Yep. So yep. I think that Islam attacks the estate of the family by its teaching of polygamy. So you have like a, a, a Muslim man can have like up to four wives. And then and within that kind of teaching of the family in Islam, you have a very um, degrading perspective of the wife, rather opposed to in Christianity where where Paul teaches us that that the wife is supposed to be uh, treated by the husband as Christ treats the church and gave himself up for her. So you have a completely, a complete reversal of what marriage and what family should look like. So what do you think of that one? Yes, that's exactly it. I should find Luther, by the way, and I could just quote him saying basically exactly what you just said. Yeah, well, you just play back the tape and that'll be Luther. Okay, so 200 points. All right. Now the question is, how does Islam attack the estate of the state? And I think this is going to be in their teaching of Sharia law. So in Christianity, we have this nice distinction between uh, the two kingdoms that God rules in two different ways, depending on the task that he's accomplishing. When he's accomplishing the task of, of uh, preventing chaos and maintaining order, he does through, through the kingdom of the government that use a, uses a coercive power, uh, a uh, what, reward or punishment, and in the when he is dealing with us according to our sins, giving us the forgiveness of sins, he does not deal with us coercive through reward or punishment, but he deals with us according to the gospel in the church through the means of grace. And Islam completely contradicts this distinction and says that the uh, the religion and the state are one and the same in imposing Sharia law. You're right. Okay, so I found it. I pulled it out here. So here's to the marriage one. I'll read this. Luther, War Against the Turk. The third point is that Muhammad's Quran thinks nothing of marriage, but permits everyone to take wives as as he will. Therefore, it's customary among the Turks for one man to have 10 or 20 wives to desert or sell any of them that he will, when he will, so that in Turkey, women are held immeasurably cheap as they are despised, and they are bought and sold like cattle. So that you were exactly right on that. Now, here it is. In the second place, the Turks' Quran, or creed, teaches him to destroy not only the Christian faith, but also the whole temporal government. His Muhammad, as been, has been said, commands that ruling is to be done by the sword, and that his Quran, in his Quran the sword is the commonest and noblest work. Thus the Turk is, in truth, nothing but a murderer or highwayman, as his deeds show before man's eyes. Uh, let's see here. So there you go. Uh, so that's exactly right. So that would be a total of 400 points so far. Okay, sorry. Let me not that. <laughs> and then how does Islam attack the estate of the church? And this is uh, plainly through the, the preaching and teaching of false doctrine, so that Christianity comes 
as one who forgives sins not by any work or merit or deed of man, but uh, by the work and merit of Jesus Christ, bestowed as a free gift through the gospel, through the message that God has done everything for us in Christ to bestow to us forgiveness of sins, and in the forgiveness of sins, we are made right before God. So that's uh, what we have according to Christianity. But Islam comes along and says, no, 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 it's all about submission. It's about your submission to Allah, and if uh, you submit, then maybe Allah will uh, consider you in heaven. So I would say through the preaching of false doctrine. Right. I, and this is going to be twofold. So that's the first one. You, it, it, first of all, it preaches false doctrine. And secondly, it forbids the t- preaching of the truth. So the so mm. it also represses the preaching of the gospel with the sword. Ah. Oh, so is that, do I get partial credit on that one? Yeah, then? 100 points. Okay. I think I get Total of 500 points. Sweet. All right. So um, is this how this game works, or, or, or how are we going to play this game, Three Estates? I don't know exactly. We're going to just see how this kind of goes. But um, I, So what I figured we'd do is we would uh, read some news stories, and we would say, what is this doing with the three estates? Now, the reason why we do this, by, by, by the way, is because we need to be estate thinkers. I mean, not you, just you and me. We should be, probably, but also our listeners. It, we, when we want to have our mind ordered according to the Scriptures, one of the ways that our mind becomes ordered according to the Scriptures is we think of things in terms of the estates. So we, we've been doing this for a long time with Ten Commandments in the News, but I think we want to hone in a little bit on this and, and, and think about the estates in the news and how they are, um, are there. So i got two news stories that I can read from. You can tell me what you want to do first. First, the Pentagon's new policy on transgender soldiers is pure social engineering from National Review. And then secondly, uh, most marriages today are invalid, Pope Francis suggests. Ah, boy. Um, are we going to have time for both of these? Sure. Okay. We just, well, then let's we just, got all the time in the world. Let's just take them in order. Okay. Uh, in the year's most predictable po- political move, the Pentagon <laughs> has ended its ban on transgender soldiers serving in the military. Who wrote this? David French. I should follow him on Twitter. Hold on. Let me follow this guy on Twitter. Okay. Uh, there's no conceivable military justification for the move. The actual and potential transgender military population is tiny. The upper end estimate of 11,000 is hilariously exaggerated. 11,000 transgender in the me- The medical procedures for transitioning are hideously expensive, and the entire process can take soldiers out of the the fight for extended periods. But this move isn't about national security. It's about social engineering. Many members—that's a pretty bold statement. I don't know how (laughs) anyone could conclude that— I do want to comment on that so far. I mean, that's what I think is frustrating about that move. So, okay, so um, what was it, a year ago, two years ago, maybe even more— um, they said, okay, we're going to allow women uh, fighting in the front lines. And there you had like this, uh, you know, bad idea. Um, not only uh, does this, I think, decrease the ready- readiness of our military because there's so many more logistical concerns in blending uh, men and women on frontline combat. Um, it's also maybe a bad idea in certain uh, strength uh, considerations. I mean, it's it's not prejudice to say that men are stronger than women. Now, could you find a certain man like Pastor Wolf there to be 
weaker than a particular uh, woman, like some bodybuilder. Yes, but on average, men. Some bodybuilder. <laughs> um, but, but on average, men are stronger than, than women. That's just a biological fact. I saw this video the other day by speaking of this to this topic, uh, and it was of the Australian national women's soccer team, and they were playing a high school Australian boys high school team, and they lost like thirteen to one. <laughs> and it's just kind of like, but oh, I mean, just I mean, just kind of think about it. if if yeah. someone's breaking into your house, you call nine one one. Do you want male or female police officers showing up? Yeah, well, I suppose the one with the gun, but right. yes. Uh, but but here's let's just pretend that if someone's breaking into the house, am I going to send down uh am I going to go down to the door or am I going to send Hannah down to and the door? And that's the point. So really what we're saying is that uh that men in a society don't have a responsibility to protect women in society. And uh that that's um I mean th- that's not a political chauvinistic thing. It's just a reality that we have as men have a responsibility to protect women. I think it's that th- th- how is this? It's like we want to extol women by making sure they go and fight on the front lines of a uh, yeah. in the army. It's like wait, 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 wait. Yeah, you and I have different definitions of extol. <laughs> yeah, but okay. So so with the women thing is like okay, um, bad idea. But I can see how this is trying to just be you know politically neutral. Let men and women serve equally. But with the matter of of transgendered. Um, what this brought about then is um, uh, we're, we at now as a military, i.e. The, the taxpayer, are going to pay for, for transgendered people to have a sex change operation, which as the author of your article pointed out, it's very expensive. Now, that would be something like um, saying, uh, all right, uh, all these women want breast augmentation surgeries, and the military is going to pay for it. Well, of course we're not going to pay for it because it's not a necessary surgery. But suddenly when someone says, I'm transgendered, it becomes a necessary surgery because you want to uh, realign your plumbing? I mean, that that just doesn't make it a necessary surgery, and it's very expensive for the taxpayer. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'll let you continue with your article. Oh, okay. How far did I get? What was the last thing I said? I think like three lines in. <laughs> uh, this isn't uh, just about now. Oh, yeah. It's about social engineering. Many members of the military spend their entire careers without encountering a single transgendered soldier, but they will in- endure hour upon hour of diversity training and thought control. Every time the military makes a move like this, it follows its pronouncements with briefings. So very many briefings. I was a brigade judge advocate when the military lifted its ban on openly gay service members, and we were all treated to the full range of stern lectures about tolerance and diversity. This will be worse. There will be members of the military, aided and abetted by its civilian leadership, who will take the opportunity to try to to retain the ranks about the very concepts of sex and gender, introducing radical LGBT theology. Did you hear that word? Theology? Hmm. By the way, I think that's not enough letters now. There's like there's a couple of Qs and a Z in there, I think. <laughs> LGBTQ squared w, Z yeah. question mark. As government approved army mandated worldview. That is a loaded sentence. Indeed. We'll tell you what, let's take a break and then when we get back from this break, we'll uh, figure out what states this is dealing with. You're listening to Table Talk Radio and we'll be right back right after this.
Dr. Carl Fikencher, professor at Concordia Theological Seminary. Table Talk Radio is the best radio program ever. Okay, I said it. Now will you let me go? I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. Table Talk Radio is the show. Three Estates is the game. And listen to an article Pastor Wolfmutter found about uh, military allowing transgendered into the military. Anything left on this article, Pastor Wolfmutter? Uh, here it says that the unfortunately the warrior culture is resilient. Infantry platoons aren't likely to go full PC anytime soon, but the left keeps chipping away. It'll keep chipping away into the horrible reality of the battlefield. It reminds us all that our military isn't a social laboratory. Hmm. Our enemies focus on war while we sidetrack our soldiers with social justice. Not even our immense technical and material advantage can save us forever from the consequence of our own folly. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so what I have the task of doing in playing this game is naming which estate or estates, I assume, is being crumbled here. Yeah, we'll talk about this in in regard. So think about this in regard to the estates. That is the goal of the game. So, uh, again, to review, the three estates is the state, the family, and the church. Yes. And um, this is going to be dealing primarily with the estate of the state, so that the government has the God-given responsibility of maintaining order and uh, keeping evil at bay. And that evil would be not only domestic evil, that our police officers work so hard— uh, to keep at bay, but also our, our foreign um, enemies that would attack from ISIS or other countries or whatever. And um, the military plays a part in that role. However, what is being attacked in this move of political correctness is uh, weakening that very state of the state. So to say that, uh, no, 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 our military is not about um, combat readiness. Our military is about being politically correct, and we shall not um, deny anyone on the basis of their behaviors or tendencies or whatever. We need to accept all people, and the question is never asked, how does this better our combat-ready military? The question is just, um, how can we hurt no one's feelings? Right. How can we make sure nobody is offended? So I would say this is primarily dealing with the the estate of the state. Uh, yeah, I'd say you're right. Now, but remember this though: we want to say this. We want to be very, very clearly that the authority to use violence to protect life, chastity, and property belongs first to the family, the estate of the family, and it's given by extension. So the family hands over uh, to the state those things which have that it cannot handle on itself so probably you know me and carrie and the kids cannot take down isis so the authority to do that is handed over from the family to the state to do it now the 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 important thing to remember is that always authority sits in the family for this sort of thing to protect life uh uh chastity and property uh and even reputation it belongs primarily to the to the family and is a derivative authority given to the state. And our doctrine of subsidiarity, which I keep being reminded how important that is, 
is the idea that a thing should be handled on the uh, on the on the level that is closest to the institution which God has actually created to handle the thing. So subsidiarity is pushing all politics down towards a local level, but it's it's basically also saying, hey, um, that the that the, these things belong first to the family and. And then when the family does not have the resources to handle it, it then it steps up a notch. So if if the uh, if it's given first to the family, could the family take it back? Be, I can call up the Pentagon and say, hey, look, guys, uh, I don't approve of what you're doing. I'm going to go ahead and take over <laughs> fighting ISIS myself. Thank you very well, much. Well, in some ways, that's what the Second Amendment says. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can take it back. In other words, the reason why we have guns— the, the, the Constitution lets us have guns. is not so you can go hunt geese, but so you can protect yourself from a rogue state that's stepped beyond the bounds of authority uh, that it ought to have. Man, not only is this show going to get us a fatwa, <laughs> it's going to get us on the no-fly list, too. I was thinking uh, that where a government oversteps its authority is all in the eyes of the beholder. So you ask uh, Ted Bundy and the crew that were that, that over took a siege of a wildlife refuge in, in eastern Oregon. Uh, did you hear about that? <laughs> I did. And, uh, they I thought were, we talked about that on the show. That was uh, No, that was another show that you did. Mm. Um, so, so here you have a, a group of guys saying, look, uh, we're, holding, we're, we're taking control of this wildlife refuge as a protest against the overreach of the government. And uh, all of those men were arrested <laughs> eventually and taken into custody. And, it's really um, weird that they were at a wildlife refuge. Well, so one of the things they were protesting is the government's right, the, the federal government's right to take state land or private land. And so they were kind of returning the favor by taking a wildlife refuge. <laughs> That's ironic. It's kind of <laughs> ironic that they're more worried about, like, the state, the gov- the federal government taking state land than the state's actually worried about it. Yes. Anyway, probably more having to do with private lands than state land. They're but. probably right about all that. I mean, I don't know. I didn't pay too much attention to it, but well, the, yeah. So, so the the issue was. So the I mean, the question is, uh, are they right about it? Probably. What's the best way to go about it? Right. And here, so now here we get to a important point, and that is that the estate of the church ought to be able to bring correction to the estate of the state. Now, we have in large part lost, completely lost that idea that the church would come alongside the state and would preach to it. So that in this war, previously mentioned War Against the Turk uh, article by Luther, he's preaching from the pulpit to the state saying, fight the Turk. Uh, so that there's a way that the church says, hey, this war is a just war. This is a, not a just war, something like that. In the, in, in the ordering of the estates, that there's some wisdom that is given to the state from the church. Now, we have completely lost that altogether. I think we have, anyways. It's my guess. Because we have this idea of separation between church and state? Uh, probably. Because of tax-exempt status? And, and also just because nobody listens. I mean, yeah. nobody nobody listens to the to the preaching of the church. I mean, so. would, that, would that kind of necessitate there being some public officials being in the congregation? Because I could I could preach from the pulpit what the government should do, and everybody probably nod their head, but no one in my congregation actually holds a public office. Right. 
Yes. Oh wait, no, I take it back. I do have a city council in my congregation. So well, I, there I you do. go. <laughs> there you go. We should have all. It should be a requirement of city council members to listen to Table Talk Radio and to play Three Estates. I mean, I get the chance to pray at city council meetings once a year, so there's something. Yeah. Is your prayer like this? Lord, grant us repentance. Yeah, it is. Actually. Amen. It is. And I, uh, so I, I'll say something along those lines, uh, and I'll say, uh, in you know, the name of Jesus in whom there is uh, only salvation or something like that. So, I mean, I'm sure to offend someone, at least I try to. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this this is the thing. You get you get guys come in and pray at the meetings, and they want to be this all-inclusive jargon. And it just is bowing down to the worship of the the civil God, um, which is the all-inclusive God. Yes, you're right. So I I, I, I'm you. curious about this, though. How, Other than preaching from the pulpit, how else does the state teach—or, sorry, the church teach the state? Well, that's the chief way of preaching, but this is a problem, is— not only have we lost the expectation that the state should listen to the church, but we've also, I mean, extremely lost the reality that the church is in any way, um, you know, a, the state is in any way accountable to before God. So we live in a time where where the state thinks, and this is a great temptation of a state, especially a powerful state like uh, the United States, is to think that it's not accountable to God and that it doesn't matter what it does, that God doesn't care, that he's not paying attention, that he's, you know, stepped out to use the bathroom like Elijah preached to the prophets of Baal or whatever. And so we need to, um, we need to, um, uh, I mean, we, we need to pray, I think, and lament that fact. Now, also, the church speaks to the state through publishing and media and all this sort of stuff as well. But I, uh, and I suppose also through private conversation and, and maybe most of all by, Getting all the children of the church to go and be politicians or, um, or uh, what are the people called that write for the newspaper? Editors? Uh, no, that's, that's article writers. Edits. Yeah, article writers. <laughs> what, reporters. Uh, yeah. They need to be in the press. Uh. Journalists. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, they. Uh, so we need to have more Christian journalists. But where, uh, where in in history did was ever the state listening to the church? I mean, you quoted the Reformation, but yeah, I mean. The uh, the emperor didn't really. I mean, I guess the the pope. Is that? Do you think that that the that the emperor was was uh, that that was more for peace though, wanting to do what the the church wanted just to keep peace in the in the. I yeah, I know. But so you had, I mean, you had times during the Middle Ages where this happened. You have, I mean, in England now, the queen is apparently the head of the Anglican Church. So there's a, there's a, um, there's a, con- there's a. But that's when you don't have a distinction between the church and the estate of the, of the state, you know? So, yeah, well, I, yeah, I but, suppose it did in Luther's day. And I, I, maybe in the United States, I mean, people were listening there was always, you know, there was, until recently, there would always have been a, a large evangelical c- contingent of evangelical preachers uh, present, like at a at the, uh, the inauguration of a president, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy like Graham Rick would be Warren. up there. Yeah, Rick Warren. Yeah, Rick Warren. Was he there for Obama? Yep, he sure yep. was. Yep. So, but now, I'll bet you, next, I mean, keep an eye out for who's there next time. Okay, we will. Uh, one more segment of Table Talk Radio. Uh, I don't know what we're Whoa. doing. What are we, yeah. We'll bumper stickers. Are we going to do some bumper stickers? Okay. Yeah.
Because I was interested in this other article, but I think we'll move on to some bumper stickers because we got to get through our voicemails. We'll be right back. Right. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio. It's incredible how well our good looks translate to radio. I save all the good stuff for grappling with the text, a little video Bible study that you could find at worldvieweverlasting.com. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, last segment of the program, and we are going to be listening to your bumper stickers and church signs. If you have a bumper sticker or church sign, you can give me a call at 1-800-385-7652. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Nice. Sola. That's the, SOLA is the feminine. That's for the single ladies. Remember remember when we used to have the thing? Who wants a day the seminarian? Mm-mm. Huh. You're having trouble remembering that? <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. All right, get, stall a little bit while I'm pulling this up. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I, the thing I like about this is I don't actually have to pay attention. I can go back to editing my blog at wolfmuller.co. Right. Right. Okay. Here it is. <laughs> Hi there. This is Lisa from Manand. Um, there's a community reformed church. Its sign says, "Every path has a puddle." Take Every care what? now. Every path has a puddle. Every path has a puddle. Okay. Huh. Okay, so I think this is trying to say, okay, um, you know, whenever, whatever you're doing, you're going to have hard times. Don't get discouraged. Uh, I mean, this, this isn't actually going after the pun idea. It's just trying to say, uh, don't give up. Uh, hang in there. You can do Stick it. Stick with it. <laughs> Um, now is that I, I'm I'm sure what you think about this? Is that a particularly Christian message? You can do it. <laughs> that? Yeah, that is that Christian? <laughs> Probably is that, not. Is that Saint Paul? <laughs> I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, you I, can I just, do it. You can do it. I could do all things. <laughs> you can do it. Now, uh, the answer is no, because you know what you can't do? You, In fact, Anything. most things that the Lord commands you to do, you can't do. <laughs> the Christian message, I suppose, it starts with, you can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> You're breaking the law, man. Can you tell if my accent is Italian or Spanish? I, I can't ever tell what it's your both. accent is. It's 50-50. That's how <laughs> subtle it is. You can't do it, man. That's the law, and then Christ has done it. That's the gospel. That's the Christian message. Right. Okay. Let's go. Let's move on. I I, just, I want to move on before you start getting the other accents. So let's just let's just keep going. Hi, table talk. This is hey. Molly, and I have a bumper sticker theology cited in the Kroger parking lot. Um, the sticker said, "Wiccan army, we will not fly silently into the night." Also, some Star Wars decals. Have fun. Thanks. All right. Wiccan Army will not fly silently into the night. And then Star Wars decal. I want to remind some, you of something someone said. I think we were both in the room. It was this. 
I thought I was nerdy until I became a Lutheran. <laughs> are you saying that Lutherans are nerdy or something? <laughs> All I'm saying is, the other last night, someone was telling me at a particular church meeting that we're coming up on the 50th anniversary of Star Wars, which I thought is an obscure piece of knowledge that I was glad I didn't know. <laughs> and I uh, Star, sorry, Star Trek, 50th anniversary of Star Trek. And I said, Star Trek? Isn't that the cheap ripoff of Star Wars? <laughs> Which almost started, boom, ba ba boom, a galactic war right there. Anyway, Wicca, Wicca is this. We have a theory. What what is our worldview? What is our worldview catalog about Wiccas? Do you remember that? Mm, nope. I'm going to pull it up. But there's a thing. About uh, here's our worldview catalog. I found it on tabletalkradio.org. There's links, lots of links to tabletalkradio.org on the wolfmuller.co. Uh, let's see. We have a particularly Wiccan one. Garbage in, garbage out. Fill in the blank. Jesus. God is a super nice guy. Uh, huh. I don't think this is the most recent. I don't remember what I was. This something that you dreamt or something that you. Thought about, forgot to write down. Cause I don't remember what on on Wicca. There's, there's got to be a Wicca because there's all sorts of pagan bumper stickers. You know, my like Wiccan beauty contest or my other car is a broom or, you know, all this stupid stuff. This is so Wicca is just, is witchcraft, by the way. It's old paganism and it believe it's pantheism. It believes that everything is God and God is everything and every little thing is God. It's this is uh, and. And I, I think that, you know, the basic theological perspective of humanity is pagan. Now, here's a great irony. All of our um, brilliant scientists these days that are always talking about evolution and science and materialism and all this sort of stuff, and they think that the kind of the stupid mind, the stupid default religious mind of man is Christian. This is not the case. The default religion of humanity is paganism, finding spirits and you know, magic spells and trying to, with your words, have power over nature. That's the basic idea. It's magic. It's forbidden by the second commandment. Now, the the I irony then is because the evolutionist thinks that Christianity is the thing that we fought against. They are in the process of becoming pagan. Uh, and so there's it's only a half step between uh, evolutionism and environmentalism, which is just the scientific form of paganism. So this bumper sticker said, uh, Wiccan Army, we will not fly away quietly. Silently that, into the night. Silently into the night. That's just kind of crazy. So, it's, so, cra it's crazy to think that this is a witch. You know, here is a witch, someone who's theologically a witch, and they're shopping next to you at Kroger's, probably in the broom section or whatever, <laughs> cat food cat food <laughs> section. Um, now, what's the, what's the appeal, what's the interest uh, of someone to say, I want to go join a join Wicca. Okay, so here's a couple things. You can be spiritual without being religious, and you know that the advantage is God doesn't say anything. And the advantage of God not saying anything is he never says, don't do that. So that's the first appeal of Wicca. The second is that not only does God not say things, but you get to say things. You get to cast spells. Ah. And so you get to, uh, you get to um, collect for yourself a spiritual power. That's the demonic appeal. The, the, you know, the, the appeal of the, of the devil. And the appeal of all magic. I get power in my own words. Hmm. Okay, let's go on to another one then. Here is the next one. Hey guys, well-behaved women seldom make history. That's the bumper sticker. Okay, bye. 
well-behaved women seldom make history. Hmm. I'm just thinking about the genealogy of Jesus, and I'm thinking, hey, that's actually probably pretty true. <laughs> but but, but is... I shouldn't say that, because those, well be, those women of the genealogy of Jesus, in fact, were Gentiles, but they, um, they heard the gospel and believed it and became Christians. Right. You know. so, so this is trying to uh, encourage rebellion amongst women, because if you are, say, uh, a good wife... The scriptures talks about uh, submitting to your husband as to the Lord. Well, then you're not going to make history. Mm. You're not going to you're not going to make anything of yourself. You're not. This is the kind of the feminist thing. You gotta you gotta get out from underneath your husband's thumb or whoever the authority is. And in order for you to make something of yourself, you need to do great and wondrous things. Mm-hmm. 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 That's it. You have a worldview for that. Uh, that's feminism. You know what we were working on the other day, driving back from the catechism retreat with the kids, is the connection between feminism and the love of money. I want to know how many feminist arguments... So, okay, so here's the biblical idea. In general, and not in every way and in every place, but in general, the Lord has given to the husbands to kind of keep an eye on things outside of the house, which includes work and things like that, politics, uh, fighting. And the Lord has given to the women to take care of the things inside of the house, which has to do with children and home and all the great sort of stuff. Now, to just take those two sorts of things, and if you took money out of it and you said, well, what's the most important? What's the highest work? Well, obviously, it's the work inside the house, the raising of the children, eating dinner, taking care of all these domestic sort of things. These are uh, these are the highest most works, right. mm-hmm. most important. In fact, the most important for the history of humanity, the raising of the children and teaching them to how to pray and how to think and all this sort of stuff. But but because uh, the man's work outside of the house has money connected to it, then we then we despise staying at home and we exalt going outside. And so now it must be that women have to have an equal shot at the workplace. Why? So they can make money. Or it must be that women have to work because if they don't work, then they're dependent upon their husbands. It's, it's money. Or a woman has to be able to, for example, um, have an ab- abortion if she's not ready to have a child because it, 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 interrupts, it interrupts her, her, her work, her, her career advancement, and so it gets in the way of making money. And so all of the feminist arguments in one way or another, I think, circle back around to this God that we've created of mammon. And thinking that everything ought to be valued by how much money it it, it makes, and that is um, really godless and also just really wrong. It's a wrong way to look and think about the world. Hmm, that's interesting. What do you think about that? I think that's great. So, so what we're saying in saying that um, that uh, women should uh, not be rebellious, as this bumper sticker suggests, is to uh, rejoice in the vocations which God has given her because they are the most important vocations uh, that we have. So earlier we are talking about the estate of the family, and if the estate of the family falls apart, society falls apart. If, if, if the estate of the family um, has the estate of the state do matters in its stead, if there is no good estate of the family, then there can be no good estate of the state. Right. That makes sense? It does. I think that's good. Well done, catechism kids. (laughs) All right, that's going to be it for us. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the fat ones that we'll get pretty soon. (laughs) You will. 
I will. PRBW at tabletalkradio.org, by the way. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. We should say Table Talk Radio is not for anyone. Hallucinations and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic animals. Everyone. Only for the secret elect. Internal combustion. A sudden craving to smell your Twitter and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. Oh, man.